Yo, yo, podcast heads. Before we start this week's episode, I want to share with you my upcoming speaking dates. I am taking the stage a lot over the next couple months, starting with the Voice of Blockchain Conference, August 24th and 25th, right here in Chicago at Navy Pier. Last week's episode, we had Disruption Joe, who's throwing the conference on, and I'll be speaking at Voice of Blockchain, giving my Make Your Pitch a Performance keynote address as part of their innovation track. Again, that's August 24th and 25th in Chicago. After that, it's out to Las Vegas for TravCon, the conference bringing together traveling medical professionals and recruiters in one room on September 9th and 10th, Las Vegas, Nevada, hosted at Bally's. Then it's back to Chicago on September 20th for the Enterprise Sales Forum event hosted at the Intercom Chicago office. I'll be alongside sales guru Jeff Badgerick as we talk to everyone in the room about how to not suck at pitching your company. And then closing out the month of September, I'll be at Patriot Boot Camp in Denver on September 29th, delivering my signature, How to Not Suck at Pitching Your Startup Workshop. It's both a presentation followed by a breakout session where companies, startups can work individually with me. For details on how to attend any of these engagements, you can go to startuphypeman.com and click the speaker link at the top of the page. Again, startuphypeman.com and click the speaker link at the very top of the home page. On now with the show. I got wireless headphones. I'm not sure if my computer even has Bluetooth. Welcome everybody to Startup Hype Man's Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am your show's host and the founder and creative force behind Startup Hype Man, helping startups everywhere build their hype by creating a message that sings. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. It's about the mindset, processes, and strategies to help you build a badass company. Now, before we dive into today's conversation, I would like to extend an invitation to join our tribe at StartupHypeMan.com. Enter your email address there, and you will never miss another episode of this show, getting an email in your inbox every single week when we drop new episodes on Mondays. You'll also get my weekly thoughts, strategies, and ideas on how to build up your hype and create a raving fan base. All right, let's dive in now to this week's conversation of Discover Your Inner Awesome. Welcome, everybody, to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Today on the show, we have Brian Letster. Brian is the co-founder and vice president of How Do We? We actually met through my relationship with Bunker Labs, the military veteran nonprofit incubator, let's call it that, helping military veterans start and grow businesses. Brian's been through the Bunker Labs program before. We've had a chance to have many conversations, but never one that's been recorded and on a podcast. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Raj, thank you for having me. Very excited to be part of this. Our topic today is how do you build relationships with customers? Why is this on your mind? Why is this important to you? Well, lately, as why this is so important to especially our organization right now is uh, we kind of we just finished our our MVP product, our, our version two, technically version one more to the public, but it's kind of our version two. 
And why it's so important right now is right now we're really trying to kind of build a sales pipeline and really start working with these K-12 organizations and locking down these sales. So relationship building right now is huge, uh, especially in our field with K-12, where uh, the, the further further along we move while working with schools, um, you know, specifically with their school administration is a lot of these schools have very tight knit communities. And, uh, you know, we're, we're quickly realizing that um, in order to be part of these kind of these organizations and communities, it's it's really built off trust. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think schools get approached quite often uh, by vendors kind of trying to sell these school systems things. Uh, but, you know, relationships, building that, get, establishing trust between them, I think is one of the first steps. And we're going to dive a little bit more into the whole how do what mechanism as this episode unfolds. But let's sort of let's sort of like bring it back to the start, if you will. Even before sort of your professional lifetime experience, you know, given that our topic is building relationships, can you think back to when you were growing up? What was one really good, strong relationship you had, either with like a friend, a mentor, a parent, a sibling? Uh, can you tell us? a really good relationship that comes to mind and what made that special? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of kind of ironic full circle where my best friend growing up is actually the other co-founder of this company. Uh, so his name's Mike Anderson and him and I met in fourth grade, I believe it was. And it wasn't a, it wasn't all flowers and all that right away. It was uh, we actually fought each other in the very beginning. That's how we met. I think I was trying to uh, like pick up a soccer ball and run with it while they were playing, and we fought over that. And it was while we were sitting on kind of this this wall in elementary school, like in time out, sitting in time yeah, out. yeah, in time out, right? <laughs> and, uh, we actually we we were both trying to get out of getting into trouble, of course, and that's kind of when we you know friendship was born, and that you know Mike Mike in my life has been my best friend and vice versa. I'm actually in his wedding coming up as his best man, um, and what's really cool about that is. I think early on is the, you know, over the years, you know, growing, growing up, we established a sense of trust between each other where, you know, um, kind of growing up when I, after high school, I was in the army and he was kind of my true hometown friend that him and I would communicate. Uh, he would kind of tell me about his colleges, college experience. I would tell him about my army experience and, uh, really it, it just kind of kept, kept moving along where, uh, really building building a relationship off trust and and you know most importantly just a a deep friendship uh it's it really important it's always been an influence in my life and it's kind of always shown me how powerful a uh, relationship can be in terms of you know trusting another person uh you know and kind of growing growing and allowing yourself to communicate with someone like that I'm taking down a note that trust was the base of that relationship. Everyone who's listening, I want you to also keep in mind that Brian used the word trust because I have a feeling it's going to come up again in this conversation. So you mentioned with your current co-founder slash best friend, Mike, that um, when you joined the army, he was basically like your hometown, your like home base connection. 
what goes into your decision to join the army? And, you know, I'm going to guess it was right out of high school. So what goes into that decision to say, I'm going to do this instead of, you know, everyone else is going straight to college or doing something else. Cause that's a pretty big, I don't know what you call it. It's a pretty big task to take on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh it's pretty interesting. So my whole life I've been very goal oriented. Um, I don't think I realized that when I was younger, but uh, I, I remember I wanted to join the army. I was 15 years old and I, I've always kind of asked myself now later in life, like why the hell did I want to necessarily join the army? How was I so set when I was only 15 years old? I knew I was going to do it. Um, and over the years I've kind of compiled an answer of, uh, it was, it was, I, I think I just had it as a set goal. It was just something that I knew I wanted to do in life. Um, so when the time came, when I joined, it was, um, it was truly goal based, you know, and I, I, I had opportunities to go to college. You know, I had, uh, I had decent grades in high school. I just don't think I focused on it so heavily because I was really focused on the, the military at the time. Um, so I would even, you know, meet with recruiters starting at 16 and I would, I essentially trained with my recruiters for two years before I even joined. Um, and like I said, I think it just went back to, uh, having it as a goal. I, I had it as a goal in mind and I wanted to complete it. Um, and much as much as the rest of my life, when I got out of the army, I you know I then went to school, and it was it was a goal from there. And then after school, it was a business, and this is kind of the current goal. Within the army itself, then you become a cavalry scout. What does that include, and how does that like, how does that position come about of anything you could do in the army? Yeah, that's um. I'm sure that's a question my my mom always asked my you know she she hated the job I chose in the army so uh, you know cavalry scout I was part of a reconnaissance force uh, so I was part of uh, Fox Troop Two Three ACR um, so they're based out of Fort Hood Texas and we deployed to Iraq in 2010 to 2011. Um, and essentially what we did was more of the kind of the frontline work, uh, like combat job, grunt work, as some people call it. Um, and why I chose that, um, I, I figured if you're going to kind of be in the military, you might as well, especially I'm pretty sure as a 15-year-old interested, I was more interested in doing kind of the more intense, intensive type job in the army, as opposed to some of the other positions. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm actually really thankful I, I did all of that. Um, I actually joined the army and I wanted to be kind of that lifer. I, I was expected to, I, I expected for myself to be in there 20 years, retire from there. Um, and then I think that job being a scout, um, just how intense it is, um, really opened my eyes kind of in an enlightening aha moment where it was, it was powerful in the sense that it made me realize that this is absolutely something that I chose in life. Um, but it also opened my eyes to say, I could do, I could do anything in life. You know, this could just be one chapter of it. Did you have any moments 
from your time in the army that you were in like mortal danger and you look back and you're like, holy crap, like it's pretty crazy. I had that life experience. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's funny. I'd say one of the closer calls I ever had, and it's, it's kind of comical to say when I was in Iraq, you don't really think of it. Um, but I almost, almost drowned. Uh, uh, I was in a, a Humvee at the time we were doing a night op and there was a, uh, a canal, like a canal system for farming. And the Humvee was essentially slipping in it. And it's, I didn't, I don't think I realized the situation until I remember one of my buddies uh, in my platoon, Cody Williams, everyone just calls him Will. Everyone goes by last names in the military. He, uh, he came up to me and he goes, Hey, let's say he goes, don't, don't move. Okay. I'm like, hmm, that's kind of odd to say. Right. And, uh, that's kind of when I realized that the, the Humvee was tipping into this canal and essentially I would have, you know, you'd always think it would be more combat related, right. Being over there. Um, but I almost drowned in probably six inches of water, which would have been kind of a ridiculous way to go in my opinion it's like, it's like yeah i was at war i slipped on a banana peel that's how i injured my yeah life. yeah absolutely <laughs> I'm, I'm sure your mom loves that story too of all your uh, yeah yeah it's a uh, censored for her you know <laughs> so as cavalry scout though like you are essentially i think as you said like the eyes and the ears of your commander during battle which there's a huge trust aspect to that as well right Absolutely. That's a, a really great link in terms of <clears throat> we were trusted to really kind of uh, reconnoiter the area in, in terms of there's there's people going in, you know, we let alone we were going in, but we're also scouting out areas to ensure that everyone else is going in without kind of that present danger. You know, it's kind of our task to eliminate the present danger before uh, the majority of forces would kind of go in an area. So coming off of that, you mentioned at first you were thinking you're going to be a lifer doing this stuff. You enjoy it so much. Uh, it's giving you a sense of achievement because you're goal oriented. How does the transition out happen then? Cause you're obviously not a lifer. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the transition was really interesting. I actually, I actually went to the, I don't remember what you would technically call it, but it was essentially the office where you would re-enlist in the, in the army. Um, I was actually in Iraq still um, when I was planning to re-enlist and it was going to be an additional five years. So that would have, that would have been about eight and a half years of service that total, you know, so it would have been a five more additional years. And I think right then and there, I actually tried I was I was gonna sign that day, and then in one day span, the uh, the recruitment office said, "Come back tomorrow. It's almost end of day. Let's do this tomorrow. No big deal." And it was it was in maybe a half mile walk with uh, certain platoon members, and one of them had went to school, um, and then the other was essentially a lifer in the military. So it was kind of interesting. I was hearing both these things and uh, more and more I thought of it, it was, it, as I said earlier, it was, it was like a, a chapter. Like it kind of made me realize that 
I did enjoy the military, but I think the biggest thing was I it, it quick me quickly made me realize that I I wanted to work for myself somehow, where I wanted to get out and take advantage of of kind of what I learned during the military. Uh, like I said, I kind of had this aha moment where it's, it's like, well, life's a really beautiful thing and I, I want to kind of create my own path. Um, so it was kind of, it was very odd. I almost reenlisted because I did enjoy it, you know, and I, I really, I really could have gone far and succeeded in the military, but um, I also wanted to almost test the waters and challenge myself. I didn't necessarily know the next goal I had in mind, um, which, you know, it formulated over time, but um, it was kind of just that sense of, I want to build something myself. You know, one more thing, actually, I want to touch on before we transition to the next, you know, your next chapter here is actually, because you talked about, you know, you were about to re-enlist and a lot of it was because you enjoyed it so much. And we mentioned the, the trust aspect that you, you know, you, there's a trust aspect between you and your commander, given nature of cavalry scout. I'm curious though, you know, like we don't need to go into the details of it, but you, you've, you've probably seen some shit right at the end of the day Uh, and some not so pretty things at, at that. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe from our conversations in the past, you've actually like, you know, there are people you were friends with that you were very close with in the army who you've lost uh, in combat. Did those negative experiences like did that break your trust in the, the system, quote unquote? Did you mm-hmm. question almost because you, know, you have to have a certain sense of loyalty to serve? Yeah, yeah. Which is, and loyalty is built on trust. So did you question that at any point you're like how like how does this keep happening how am i going like why why am i doing this yeah no that's a that's a great point i've never really had it framed that way um i don't i i honestly can say that i don't think it it broke kind of the loyalty um it almost you know the the friends i lost they <clears throat> I think everyone was loyal to each other. I think the military is a very special, beautiful place for camaraderie because the loyalty, even though we're all part of this, this, you know, organization, right. Um, I think the loyalty lies within each other. Um, I think that's, that's where you always have that sense of camaraderie. And that's why I think, um, kind of in the civilian sector where military veterans are kind of attractive in terms of they bring that kind of loyalty and camaraderie. And I, going back more back to your question of did that break the loyalty? Uh, I don't think so at all. Um, I don't, what I really do feel though is that it um, kind of the, it's almost the idea that when you're in the military, you absolutely understand the risks you're taking. Um, and I think from there, you know, we all, you know, one of our, our, um, you know, our troop kind of, I guess you would call it like a mission statement ethos was embrace the suck. Right. And it, it, it it's, it's a great thing to say because it applies everything where, um, you know, terrible things did happen. Um, but pe- people in the military, that's, that's you you know deep down that 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 stuff can happen and it did um so i think the loyalty aspect of it it's 
people in the military, like I was loyal to my friends and they're loyal to me. And that's, that's the, I did not feel any distrust because we were all in it together. You know, we were all loyal to each other, which I think is why the military can be so strong. And, and I think on top of that too, it's probably the trust, loyalty with each other, but then also knowing there's a larger mission you're serving, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and sometimes that larger mission gets really skewed. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of things that that happen, and it's you know it's hard to understand. But what's really easy to understand is that you know at the time we were all in it together, and and that's 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 what everyone can understand, and that's what everyone's loyal to. So you come out of the military, you go to Illinois State University for college, studying mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, small business operations there, because you mentioned that you had this idea coming out of it when you decided not to re-enlist that you maybe wanted to do your own thing. What happens out of college and, and, and how, does, how do we, your current venture, how does that come into the picture? Because at no point so far in this story have you talked about like, yeah, like all I care about is children. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? so how, does, how do we come into the picture? Back with more Discover Your Inner Awesome in just a moment. But first, are you an early stage startup? If so, you're probably running on the messaging treadmill where you're trying to figure out how to pitch your company, how to tell the story, how to communicate, market, and sell this thing that you've built. But for every step you take forward, you get pulled back one, just like you're on a treadmill because you're either too in the weeds, too technical, or Your attention is pulled in too many different directions. Oh, and on top of that, you're facing the everyday mental crisis of being an entrepreneur where you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I should have listened to my family and just gotten that safe and secure six-figure job. Guess what? It's time to get off the treadmill. Introducing Hype Man Academy, my brand new affordable equity-free virtual accelerator designed to build a marketing playbook for your startup so you can confidently pitch investors with a clear and compelling message and go out and market and sell to get your first 10 or 20 or 30 customers. Hype Man Academy is a weekly live online workshop where you work alongside your fellow founders, support and help one another, and get one-on-one access with me through virtual office hours. For information on joining the next cohort, visit startuphypeman.com slash hypeman-academy that's startuphypeman.com slash hypeman hyphen academy. Fill out an application and let's discuss. Back now to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, <laughs> so um, got out, uh, went to school, um, Illinois State, you know, awesome school, uh, very good. I was very happy with kind of the route of business entrepreneurship there. Um, and it was just a really good school. It gave me a lot of opportunities um, to kind of really grow into myself. Um, and really the biggest thing was um, business entrepreneurship. I didn't really have, like I said, I didn't really have, I didn't know the goal yet. I didn't know what I was working on, but um, it was kind of crazy. It was kind of a paradigm shift. While in high school, I was so focused on the the military, the army, that like I said, I, I was I was always involved in sports, so I'd kind of just focus. I would get good grades so I could be eligible for sports, and I didn't really necessarily care about kind of the importance of education. And then when I went to school, 
that's where I was like, wow, I'm here. And I, you know, I guess I had a sense of uh, responsibility to do really well in, in school because there's always this, this stigma of, oh, you know, veterans going to school, they're, you know, it's going to be harder for them because they're not used to it. But I really kind of wanted to set the example of, hey, you know, there's, there's a lot, every veteran out there, you know, they're, they have the ability to go to school and succeed. So, and it was also weird. The true paradigm shift was I actually enjoyed going to classes then. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I went out to college when I was 18, I would definitely kind of take the route of, yeah, let's party, let's get, you know, grades, whatever. It's not really important, but I went in as a 22-year-old. Let's party, let's get grades. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, it's, um, I came in at 22-year-old, you know, 22-year-old freshman out of the army and uh, it just meant so much more. I was like, wow, like I actually do want to learn these things. I'm here already, so I might as well. Um, so it was a huge shift in my life where I was like, this is, this is cool. I really like this style of learning and I can kind of apply these things as I grow. Um, so how that really starts leading into how do we, um, Mike, Mike and I, you know, still, still best friends. We were still contact, you know, connected through all of this. He was in Chicago at the time working for an investment firm. So him and I kind of always had the idea of, you know, how do we, uh, let, let's think of something. Let's, you know, we were spitballing some ideas. We even started on our very first venture, which is, you know, I don't think I've ever really publicly talked about this. We actually had this idea of building mobile showers for venues and linking it to a phone. So when we started that, it was like, okay, and now I was justifying, I was like, okay, I'm using my, you know, my degree, like, this is what I should be doing. And kind of a funny story. We even had uh, an architect draft up kind of a blueprint of a uh, kind of a, uh, what I call it, like a shipping container outfitted into a shower unit. Um, and Mike and I quickly realized that as we we're looking at this, you know, we we're both kind of in the question of like, I don't even know how a boiler works. You know, I don't think this is kind of our right field. Like, this isn't really my strengths. Um, so that that quickly ended, started and ended pretty quick. Um, but what it did is it really started getting us both thinking of, wow, this this is something that we can do. You know, we we don't know what yet, but we we now kind of have been through an early stage of there. There's problems that can be addressed in the world, and we can actually change them. Right? We could we could build something, create something that affects people's lives in a positive way. So, fast forwarding, it was my, I was actually, it was my last year of school. I was just, it was the summer of, I got done with school in three years, so it's kind of hard what year it would be in, but it was my, coming up would be my last full year of school. And it was in that time, I was actually picking up Mike. We were actually bartending my sister's uh, wedding shower, one of those shower type events for weddings. Always get those confused. Um, <laughs> well, the mobile shower for weddings. There you go. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, we were <laughs> testing it out. So, uh, 
So I pick him up from the train station and we're driving there and uh, it was really Mike. Mike had the kind of the, you know, the brainchild behind the initial idea of the initial idea was how, how do we, how do we allow people to, you know, ultimately donate their funds where they know exactly where that money is going to fix things um, in terms of, you want to donate to a school, um, but you don't necessarily want to just donate $100 and it kind of just, you know, vanishes of how do we make this really transparent, you know, and even if there was a pothole in the road, how do we, you know, how do we ensure that someone donates to fix something like that? Um, so that's kind of where it all started. Um, and that from there, I still had a year left in school. And that is where that last year, we got really involved with Illinois State's entrepreneurship programs, and we even got part of their accelerator. And it, it just started really moving at that point, which was, it was really good. You know, we, we had the kind of the, the true idea, you know, with some rough edges. But over the, you know, over that first year, we really started molding it down into what it could be. So can you give sort of like the quick overview then of you know so like like at surface level how do we as a fundraising platform but can you sort of share like really why it's more than just a fundraising platform yeah absolutely so how how do we uh, it's kind of our our main organization in terms of now what we have when we first launched how do we we were working with uh public schools exclusively um, and the idea was these public schools, a lot of them have buildings that need repair. They want to install a new gym floor. They want to redo their music room. Um, and what the idea, what we created was a crowdfunding site at first, howdowe.org, where we hosted these live projects. Uh, so it was essentially... Um, you know, I hate coining it like a like a it's a GoFundMe site for schools, but now the public can go onto this, view the projects. Um, we internally would source the the vendors, make sure everything was approved, so the school could actually work on this, um, and then the community can directly contribute to that specific school project. Um, that was kind of the first stage, and I, I could you know. Going to your point, I'll address what we do now is we, we build these custom fundraising modules uh, for school administrators, teachers, students, and the PTO organizations um, to, to create, host, and post any fundraising project all on one centralized location. Um, and why this is so key for schools, you know, we've been working with a school over the last year and just really collecting very valuable feedback of you know, why is this an issue? You know, why is this an issue for schools and why is this an issue for the community? And from a school perspective is um, schools are, you know, raising funds on a daily basis. Uh, there's always teacher projects, there's PTO organizations raising funds, and there's the schools that are actually overseeing all of these. And we got coined the way, the way it was said to us was the Fundraising process in schools is chaotic and oftentimes fragmented, um, which in, in my personal view, 
it's it's not necessarily fair to the students involved in the school, um, whether it be a well-funded school district or a, a, like an under under uh, funded area. You know, ultimately, what's happening is times being taken away from students, which. <clears throat> You know, over the years, I've just really learned the importance of education in the world and how, you know, systematic problems can really be fixed with proper education. Um, I'm kind of rambling now, but um, the, what what the schools really found is that if if there was a way that the schools can kind of track all of these fundraisers, you know, it's it's efficient for the schools. It's effective for the the community in terms of now you know exactly where these funds are going i mean and it's all tracked you know this is a big thing of accountability where schools have a lot going on already and you know this is kind of an organizational and accountability tool of funds being raised they're going to be applied there and what's really nice is from a donor perspective is now you know exactly where your funds are going uh, a lot of organizations, you know, they kind of use the standard, you know, PayPal kind of pop up where it's, hey, donate $100. You click $100, you donate, and that's great. You donate $100, and, you know, you hope that it goes to something that you care about. Uh, we're, we really wanted to tap into donor transparency of, now you now when you donate that hundred dollars you are you are seeing exactly where it's being applied within the school system and you know especially what's really important is you know there there's people care people um, care to an extreme level about specific things in schools and having that ability to now go in and say oh wow this project really aligns with what I feel is important in education and that's where that that connection between the community and school is established. Uh, so it's just another really form of trusting where, you know, we, we wanted to build a system that you could trust where these funds are going directly to something you're passionately um, interested in. Yeah. It, it's, it's trusting, you know, where the money is going at the end of the day, which yeah. I think is something that, as you said, it's, it's something that when people are trying to get involved in a cause they care about, like so much of, I feel like especially now, you know, it's like donate to the Red Cross. And it's like, okay, well, what is the Red Cross actually using that money for? You know, and, right, and right. then that prevents people from actually participating. And your platform here is really built on the idea of transparency and trust. So that said, the topic of building relationships with customers, you kind of established now so far, at least that trust is a big component of this, but how are you working on relationship building now? Because your your cust you know you, you have donors of your that are part of the platform, right? But your customers who are using the platform are your administrators, your teachers, your uh, church parishes, if that's even the right phrase. But uh, you know your your local organizations, more or less. So what what's the relationship building process been like here? Yeah, it's um it's definitely been a huge learning curve in terms of. Uh, what was really hard for me was coming from a military background was I, I, I'm very used to a very fast pace. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, we got a, got a problem, you know, we have resources to solve that problem and let's implement it. Let's get this done as soon as possible. Right. Um, and what we've 
quickly learned is that, you know, when building these relationships with schools, it is, it's a process um, because, you know, even though let's say you have one person in the school that just loves the idea, you know, now we have to go through board approval, you know, RFP processes where you, you know, we, we have to establish a relationship not only with the school, but with the community. It's really the community that drives, you know, a, a school and vice versa. And so the relationships, it's, it's, um, it's very personable. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not just, Hey, let's, let me pick up the phone. I'll call you and you'll buy it and we'll be in your school in a week. It is, well, no, let's, let's come in, let's meet, you know, let's have an introductory meeting, you know, and all, all I want to do is just establish who I am and what our organization stands for, you know, and that's, that's step one of a very long process where just the, the relationship of understanding how each school works is one of the most important things. Each school's different. You're going to be communicating with, with different people among each school. And it takes time to understand. I, in, in my personal opinion, I think a relationship's all about, you know, understanding each other where it's, I can't simply just go in, establish a relationship the same way because it worked at my at the last school right it's each school is going to have different needs and you're i'm going to have to work with each school according to their needs and build that trust of hey i'm i'm interested in learning how this school operates uh, and and i'm not i'm not putting a blanket on it that the school, the school, you know, five miles to the east is the same because, you know, each school is an individual entity and that's what I want to learn. How do you actually then go about getting that meeting, right? So, because uh, uh, here's where I'm asking this question. Mm -hmm. It's it's good intentioned to want to reach out to someone and say like, hey, I'd like to like learn about your school more or less right 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 having said that it's all i i would say it's a lot of times harder to get a meeting with someone to say i just want to learn from you right because like i'm busy i don't have time to to tell you yeah. how, how my my business runs it's and it's almost it can be it can make more sense to have something to ultimately sell them so so how are you working your way in here yeah so it's it's a you know, and I'd, I'd love to learn how other people do it with schools, but uh, kind of one of my mentors, he used to sell to K-12 education. And uh, it's interesting you kind of framed it that way, Raj, where um, with schools, I absolutely agree where, yeah, I want to learn about your system, your processes, um, but I 100% agree where these, these are very busy people. And if I don't have some sort of thing to offer them, it's, you know, absolutely understandable where, hey, you know, I'd love to help you kind of learn about this, but I'm busy, you know. So so there definitely is that that still that true sales approach of I want to learn, you know, I really want to learn about your fundraising processes within your school. Um, and the reason I'm asking is because I do have a product that I think will be beneficial for your school. Um, so it's, it is, it is kind of building that relationship of, 
I want to learn how how this how fundraising works within your school and district um, because I feel I strongly feel that I do have a solution that um, can kind of streamline that process and make it more um, more effective within that school. Um, so it's, and, like, it's uh, like dropping uh, that hook there, like the teaser. Yeah, uh, to give some some like value add or benefit from your side. Mm-hmm. Yes, and. What's also very nice is um, people that do work in schools, they, the, you know, and I, I've, I've learned this very early on working with schools where people working in schools truly do care about education, 100%. Um, and I, I want to learn all of that information. And I think naturally people that are in school administration are, are teachers in, in terms of teach, teachers in a sense of they, they want to pass education and knowledge. It's, it's engaging to them. That's, that's why they're in school systems. They truly believe in educating our culture and society. Um, so it's always been very strong for me to um, come in and say, you know, I, I really do want to learn these processes. Um, and, you know, as, as mentioned before, it's, it's because I do feel that I, I can also add, add a value to your organization. Um, so it, it's kind of this really synergistic energy of there's, there's people in education just love, love knowledge and insight and learning. And it's a great way for us to kind of get integrated because if you go in saying, Hey, you know, I, I have this product and I know it's going to be beneficial for you. It's, it's kind of a, what we've learned is schools, schools have their own processes and their own methods of handling business. And it's all based off good intentions and, you know, establishing myself off the bat kind of saying, I, I want to, you know, I, there's much to be learned at each school. And I, I want to at least start that process because I, I truly believe that there is something I can I can help with. And so far, anyway, what have you seen has been the length of the sales cycle? Because schools traditionally yeah. move at a sloth's pace. Yes. So um, our our sales cycle is anywhere from six six months, and that's fast, up to to a year. Um, we've even been in touch with one of our first schools for almost a year and a half now. Um, very thankful for that school, um, just in terms of we were we were pretty early and and how would I say it? I guess um, we were almost rushed. You know, we we felt well, yeah, we got this, and we're going to get these school. It was it was such a learning curve of. Uh, one of the, you know, the first schools we started working with was extremely good at kind of telling us, Hey, you know, it's, it's, I, they realized we wanted to move quickly, but they, in a very nice way, you know, said, well, do you have this? Do you have that? How, how does this work with this? And it really made us go back to the drawing board and really start, you know, like, you know, this is, they're absolutely right. We, we need to kind of take our time and, and really build this out to where now we, we go into any school and we have, we have those kind of those big check marks, you know? Um, and it, it also, you know, 
it, it made me realize that uh, the relationship can be very fragile. You know, if, if we, if it weren't for them being so, um, how would I say, uh, I guess, I guess they really wanted, they really believed in our idea. And I think they also saw how early we were and they really helped us formulate it of, you know, kind of taking our time, building the product and getting getting feedback, making us realize that this isn't going to be kind of this, you know, oh, we love it and we're going to have it next week. It's this process. So they really open our eyes to this is a process and we're more than happy to work with you because I think they, they knew that we were kind of new to the K-12 space. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. And it, it also made me realize that sales are such a building relationships along with sales with your your client your customer base um just listening to the the potential client is huge you know you can learn so much just by kind of kind of putting your agenda on hold and just truly listening to your client um because they're going to be the ones that are experts in their fields and that's you know sorry we were talking before we started recording that video that I had posted to LinkedIn recently, which was about, you know, in the SaaS software as a service world, how to run those demo calls. And I talked about like step one should just be listening. And that's exactly what you're saying here is there's so much power in being a, being a a sounding board essentially to -hmm. just actually learn instead of coming in with your and trying to push your own agenda right off the bat, which I think is something that, especially people who are inexperienced in sales is what they want to go for right away. Cause you think, Oh, they booked a meeting with me cause they want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that can lead nowhere fast. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, that's so true. It's, it's, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that statement. So we're coming to the end of our episode here before we depart and wrap up. Can you let our listeners know, uh, where they can learn more about, well, actually, I'll phrase it this way. How do we learn more about how do we and get in touch uh, with you? <laughs> you know, and that's, I, I I can't tell you how appreciative I am that you've kind of used our name like that. People <laughs> struggle with that name and it's it's funny. Some people. How do uh, they say how do? Yeah, yeah. They kind of all put it one word and it's it's pretty interesting how, how it comes out sometimes. Um yeah, so if, if uh, you know, learning more, you know, you can visit howdowe.org. Um, and what that is, it's kind of our main hub where you can learn about our team. You can learn about kind of more of our, our mission and how it, how it formulated and kind of more of our, our personal story. Um, and then on that site, what we are actually actively, uh, what we have built, our, our true product, we actually... Um, it's called How to Fund. Um, all of that information can be found on howdowe.org as well. It just takes you right to the actual dom- domain of how to fund. Um, and that is what we currently are um, working with schools on implementing. Um, we also do work with nonprofits. Um, we've had interested, interest from churches as well. Um, and, you know, really the same thing applies is uh, you know, a lot of nonprofits, churches want that transparent way to connect with their community and their donors. Um, so it's, it's really applicable. Um, obviously, our bread and butter is more focused towards schools. Um, 
but you know it's kind of a universal we we always are interested to kind of hear any organization and kind of we we are at a very malleable stage of we can absolutely work with organizations to kind of cater the uh, fundraising module to fit their needs. Um, so howdowe.org, you'll, you'll definitely learn a lot about there. Um, please feel free to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, reach out anytime. I'm always happy to just have a conversation about anything, really. I, I like just learning about anything, so always happy to do that as well. Now to wrap up, and we'll put all your contact information in the show notes and, mm-hmm. and your links to your stuff there. So to wrap up, the way we end every show is we, we, we give what we believe our respective answer is to the topic question today, um, given the discussion of the day. So the topic question, I'll go first and then I'll toss it to you, Brian, to close this out. Mm-hmm. So the topic today was how do you build relationships with customers? Now we talked about a lot of stuff, but to me, the sort of the, the, the main themes that jumped out were the idea of building trust as the foundation. Because at the end of the day, like you won't do business with someone if they don't trust you, right? We don't, we don't buy from people we don't have some sense of trust for. Like when, when have you ever said, yeah, I, 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 I got that car because the salesperson was a total sleazeball. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so trust is a huge aspect. And I, I, I think as well what's baked within this is it's relationship building, right? That's the operative word here. So because we're all out there trying to sell a certain product, we have our own timelines in mind, but we have to match that with what's the timeline of your potential customer. Because if you try to accelerate it too quickly because you have your own agenda, well, then you're actually going against that trust building uh, angle because you're saying, I don't care about what's important to you. I only care about what's important to me. So understanding the timeline to me is another big aspect. And then the last thing I want to say is um, doing more to really put yourself in their shoes. So like Brian, you talked about like listening and how it's the first thing you want to do is just understand their situation. So the more we can understand their situation, see things from their lens, and then even talk from their perspective. And actually, you know, one thing, if if I may give a a quick piece of advice even uh, for how to fund. So, I, I went. I went to the How to Fund homepage, how number two fund dot com. Yep. Uh, something I would even just say as a quick thing here, the the headline here says creating your custom fundraising platform. I would actually switch that to just say create your custom fundraising platform because now it's an action that the school is taking, and not right. and it's from their perspective versus creating your custom fundraising platform is you telling the customer here's how we do this. Yeah. Not to use how do we again, but here's how we do this yeah. versus if it's create your custom fundraising platform, that's something that is like a call to action for them to actually to, to, to take in. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it's just, you know, I greatly appreciate the, the insight um, just because it is true. You know, it's how do you how do you uh, kind of you, even coming off that way in terms of that's that's really important. To, to a lot of people in terms of how how are you 
kind of perceiving this this information you know it's even that that first step of showing that you're open to building a relationship first as opposed to trying to sell right away brian letster thank you for joining the show today oh thank raj thank you greatly appreciate the opportunity uh you know and i i know you and i've always connected in the past and i am very very grateful for the the kind of the friendship the trust we've established and uh you know i i love things like this that wrapped up our conversation did you the listener enjoy this episode if so the absolute best compliment you can give is a rating and review on itunes Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, therefore more people can discover their inner awesome. And if you want to extend that compliment further, while you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or the various other networks in which you can find this show. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as access to the over 100-episode archive, visit the podcast official site, www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. And remember, for tips, strategies, and ideas on how to build up your company's hype with a message that sings, visit startuphypeman.com. Season 10's theme song is from Sir the Baptist. The song is called Dance with the Devil. It is off his album Saint or Sinner, which you can grab on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, and anywhere else digital music is distributed. That'll tie a bow on this one. Thank you again to this week's guest for joining us. I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to Startup Hype Man's Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care. And be awesome today. This a dance with the devil go. Tell me what you gonna do. No, this a dance with the devil go. And if you can't get a loose, then it's it's a dance with the devil.